Survivor benefits, military, and part B, all on today's Fedna Babble. Welcome to Fedno Babble, where we make federal benefits understandable for humans in under 20 minutes. That's right. We are going to take your questions that you can submit at fednobabble.com and questions from the workshops that I do of participants that just have random questions, and we take those and we answer them here to make it to make them very, very understandable. So, Cassie, let's go for question number one. My okay, this this one is complicated. So we have to figure out how to make this less complicated. This this one says, "My husband is furs and I am sirs." So if we stop just right there, <laughs> there's there's a number of things that we could talk about just with that statement. But we're gonna yes. be very specific and say uh, it continues. I cannot receive survivor benefits on his social security. And as an addendum here, because SIRS employees do not pay Social Security, but I believe I can on his government pension. Is that correct? Okay, so if he leaves you a portion of his government pension, you bet. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That depends on what the choices that you make are. As far as what you're choosing to do with your survivor benefits for your pension. Mm-hmm. So let me just be clear though, there's survivor spouse benefits in a pension under FERS and CSRS, and then there's a spousal benefit under Social Security. Which are different. Right? Which are very yeah. two completely different things. And so if, let me say, her husband is FERS. She is CSRS. So her husband can leave her either 25 or 50% of his pension amount. Okay. Um, But uh, she's right. There's a government pension for Social Security that pretty much says that anybody, whether you were a state or federal employee, who uh, earned a pension that they did not have to pay into Social Security for, such as CSRS, because they don't pay into Social Security, right. even though they pay into the civil service retirement system. They will not, uh, and it's not that they won't be eligible for a spousal benefit, but the simple fact of how much they get for their pension offsets the cost of what they would for the Social Security spousal benefit. So a lot of times it does not make sense. Like they would have to earn a pension of, I think, under eight or $900 to even be eligible to receive anything from the spousal benefit. And a lot of CSRS um, uh, pensions just simply aren't, aren't that low, let's be honest. And so because a lot of them are over $1,000 or more most of the time, uh, on a monthly basis, then they, it automatically just wipes out any spousal benefit that they would earn um, under that offset rule. So this, this is a great example 
of why it's so important that this couple, whomever this is, and there are a lot of them out there, that they visit a financial professional. This, just this one topic alone for them, let alone the other topics that we could bring up that get complicated, especially with a federal couple, let alone a federal couple who one one is a FERS and one is a SERS. Mm -hmm. It gets so complicated that trying to work it out and understand all the rules that apply, not only for pensions and survivor benefits and social security, but then we're talking about, okay, when, when do you take social security? Do you, do you take, does one take it earlier than the other? Do you take it at the same time? Should you not, should you use the TSP of one rather than uh, the TSP of another or one do the TSP and one do social security. And what happens if one dies? <laughs> it goes on and on and on and on. So complicated. So yeah, this is just one or two pieces rather of that financial picture that they really need to take a look at and, and talk with somebody about to yeah. make sure that, you know, it doesn't affect another puzzle yeah. or another piece of the puzzle that they're trying to put together. Yep. And and like I said in the last episode, you're right because if if a federal couple if this federal couple makes a mistake cuz they're trying to do it themselves, which is noble, I I must say, if you're trying to if you can save some money and do it yourself and I mean, it doesn't always work that way though, right? So <laughs> if they can if they make a mistake in one area, that does a domino effect again to other areas and sometimes they don't catch it until 10 years later and and they have no understanding of what it could have been and they're panicking at that point right because here's the thing this federal employee couple may be able to take or or may be able to leave a spouse benefit on the pension for that other spouse Mm -hmm. but it almost doesn't make sense to because there's another way where they can protect the income that that spouse needs and not maybe pay as much. Right. Okay. So there, there are ways to cover the income of a spousal uh, that a spouse needs if something were to happen and, and maybe the spousal benefit program isn't the way to go. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and again, that's just covering the spouse. And then what happens if they die together? And so that person is paid, <laughs> right? Right. right. Paid all yes. this money out for nothing. I mean, uh, Kevin, you say something in your workshop about how this works the best. Yep. Right. I don't. I don't know what you're referring to, but okay. Well, for the spousal benefit. Yeah. Yeah, it only works best if they're going to retire oh. and die quickly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. If yeah. it's great if they retire and die on the same day. Right. Really good. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yes. I mean, it's it's perfect if that happens because you don't pay anything and the spouse gets. And I also say that you should marry someone much younger than yourself so they can live a long time too. But that's right. That's horrible life advice. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to that. <laughs> we're not giving because we're not financial professionals. Please do not take our planning advice. We're simply trying to point out some of these considerations that may be stress points in your financial plan that you really need to take a look at, Yeah. right? Because these things are, are so important um, to, to get right the first time, especially the spousal benefit, because that is yes. one that once OPM finalizes that paperwork, 
you only have 18 months if you want to change that benefit. Otherwise, you're stuck with it. Yep. It doesn't matter if you choose that this plan or if you think that this plan is too expensive for you or if you found another way to cover that um, spousal income or what have you and you've you know, selected the max amount to give to your spouse, you're stuck paying 10% for FERS, you know, and almost 10% for a CSRS employee of that pension amount for that spousal benefit. Okay, so this is very, very critical for people to take a look at and make sure that they're, um, you know, looking at this through the right lens and really making a solid decision on if this is a good thing for them or not. You know, well, you've got to have that knowledge base behind it. You know, Cassie, I did find one way around the whole thing that, so there's there's 18 months, right? You have to make a decision or to change it, right? There's, there's another way to do it. Right. And that's to off your spouse. But that advice, I oh, wouldn't... No. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, bad advice. Okay, next one. Next question. <laughs> um, military buyback. How does that really work? Oh, boy. It de- You know what? I'm throwing this up. It depends. It depends because it depends when you do it. Because the longer you wait, the more expensive it's going to be. And I know yes. people pe- people who come into the workshop all the time and they say, you know, I'm looking at buying time my, my military time back. And and I say, okay, how long ago did you work? Uh, you know, did you work in the, were you in the military? And they say, oh, 20 years ago. And I think, oh mm-hmm. my goodness. This could be quite a chunk of money that you you got to pay back. It's not an easy thing, then. Yeah, it for any deposit or redeposit service, there's interest added the longer you wait to make that happen. Okay, and for military service in particular, you really have to make sure that it's worth it. Right. Okay. If you are. Uh, at, let me back up. If you've retired from the military and you're above an E6 or E7, it may not make financial sense for you to do that unless you were reserve because, as we know, military reserve people get both pensions. However, if you are active duty military, you really have to take a look at this. Yeah. Okay? But... The process to go and find out how much that deposit is, because that's really going to be the key, is finding out that number to make sure it's worth it. You have to find out how much it adds to your pension and what that deposit is and how long it's going to take you in retirement to recoup the money that you paid into that deposit. Okay, um, But there's really two forms to, to make that happen. So... One is the R1 20-97 that they submit to um, DFAS, okay? That's going to give them their earnings because the military deposit is based on the earnings that an employee had in service. Okay. Right, in military. Right. Um, and then they'll fill out another form for... Um, 
and uh, it's SF3108 that they will fill out to find out how much uh, uh, they have to pay back into FERS to get credit for that military service. Okay, and so that's for FERS employees. Um, let's see, CSRS, uh, you know, it, it that is really dependent on when, when that service was, because some employees, and this has to be like a long time ago military service, but some employees, it doesn't even make sense to make a right. deposit because they could get credit for it anyways. Right, and so they, SRS is a whole other can of worms, yeah. but you really have to talk to somebody to find out if it's worth it. Yeah, that's, and I think the thing that, the thing that messes people up here, I, I think at the very, very beginning, again, are the shortcut phrases, and, and this is what I hear, it's worth it to buy your military time back if you didn't retire. Well, that... Uh, it, 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 it depends. It always well, it, depends. It depends. <laughs> it, it does. I mean, sometimes if, if you did not retire from the military, it's still not worth it to buy it back. Sometimes if you did retire from the military, it is worth it to buy it back and really, really worth it to buy it back. But to go by those shortcut phrases to make financial decisions that we can, you know, I mean... Oh, you know what? I retired from the military. I, I remember one gentleman, um, what he had to pay. He, he was told exactly that. You shouldn't buy it back if you retired. And so he didn't. And then he, then he came to us. We did the report for him. And he learned that he could, if he paid, I think, it, and I could be a little wrong here, but I think it was if he paid $10,000, he would get... I think it was another $10,000 every year for the rest of his life or something ridiculous that something really cool like that. Yeah. It's, it's very so possible. I do so, these calculations. Sorry. Go ahead. I do these calculations all the time. Yep. And more often than not, if somebody is not retired, typically, it's worth it. I'm going to say typically because, again, not always is right. it worth it. However, typically it is. And it's amazing to me how people don't realize that if they pay, you know, $10,000 or $20,000, then they're getting that back within just a couple of years of retirement. Yeah. That is not uncommon. Right. Okay. However, if they've retired from the military, a lot of times they're losing money. Because the military um, pension, again, is based on what they earned in the military. And that calculation is different than what ours is. And so, you know, if people are in the process of buying back military service, and I recognize that it's not worth it for them because they're going to lose $5,000 in retirement a year, then they could stop that process yeah. and get it back. And I want to say, even if they've made a deposit, there's a way to get it back to. Mm, nice. Okay. Um, but you really have to make sure that you do that prior to retirement, because once you've retired, that's it. Right. <laughs> back. Yeah. There's no figuring out if 
you know, if I, if I'm by my military time back, then I can increase my pension. No, that's not how it works after retirement. Like you really have to dig down deep into this and find out these numbers prior to, right. And I don't mean like a month prior to, I don't mean, you know, five months prior to like, you need to find this out as soon as possible, because if it is worth it to make a deposit, you want to make as low as a deposit as possible. You don't want to have to wait until you're looking at, you know, six months or so before retirement, because then you've accrued that much more interest the longer you wait. So definitely something that that really needs to be looked at um, from somebody who understands the federal benefits and, uh, you know, a little bit about the military service, you know, and this is something that we help our advisors with all the time. They really appreciate this because, HR even gives bad advice yep. for military service. They don't always know how it works. Yep. I've had to screenshot and, and give the advisor the regulation that says, yes, somebody is eligible to make a deposit for the reserve service because somebody has been told by HR that wasn't true. Yep. Yep. They couldn't and, make a deposit for the reserve service. And so yeah. those little nuances definitely have to be dealt with um, as soon as possible. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, boy. Having military pension, federal employee pension, military TSP, federal employee TSP, social security, and and and, and survivor benefits. Uh, and, and really at that point, the combinations are endless. How do you maximize the amount of money you get? Yeah. That is a mystery that has to be done with precision. And the old, and the other thing that I get a lot of time with military is uh, the misconceptions or misunderstanding between FEHB and Tricare. Yes. Who yes. is eligible? What can I do with those benefits? Am I going to be able to have Tricare? Um, you know, and as an option in retirement, or do I just have FEHB and then Medicare on top of that because Tricare has to enroll in Medicare? So you've got to make sure that if they are taking that TRICARE, that they're also doing the other things. And so that is another big piece of the puzzle that is um, something that needs to be planned out um, in the retirement planning process for folks who have military service. And they really need to understand what that benefit is as well. Yeah, right. Okay, we have less than two minutes and we have a question left. So we got to... Do that and wrap it up. Here's a question. I did not sign up for okay. Medicare Part B because I was working and had BCBS. Can I sign up for Part B when I retire? The answer is, if you're 65, yes. Done. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and um, if you're older than 65 and you want to avoid that Part B penalty, um, check with a Medicare specialist in your area or go to the CMS um, website because the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services are going to require a um, waiver uh, that you've had employer coverage. It's pretty simple. Um, I say, quote unquote, simple, right? They try and make it easy for people. But um, definitely get with a Medicare specialist in your area and to make sure that you're getting the correct paperwork in there so you're avoiding the the penalties that go along for not enrolling in Part B is available at 65. Yep. Good. Thank you. All right. If you want, if you want a report created by Cassie all about your benefits and it, it it's crazy detailed, crazy comprehensive, just go to fendababble.com and uh, it's there's no cost, no obligation, no sales pitch, nothing, 
no strings attached, and uh, you can get that report. And if you want to ask a question, go to fednobabble.com. And if we use your question, we will send you a Fednobabble t-shirt or maybe even a Fednobabble face mask just for the fun of it. Halloween's coming up. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, uh, follow us on Facebook, and uh, get the word out there and and let people know about us so that way they can get their questions answered as well. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time.